Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Hi, it's Ron here from the Fringe Church. Uh, just coming to you to talk about this weekend and what's happened and what's been going on out there. So one of the great things which has happened this weekend is the Churches of Christ in Alexander Hills has done a camp and they've invited a lot of our guys and they've gone away for the weekend. Um, the reports coming back are absolutely incredible. We've had a few baptisms and just, you know, our guys who've got a bit rough around the edges or or who've had a bit of a trouble pass, uh, rubbing shoulders with guys who are from uh, leafy suburbia and being accepted and loved and appreciated always moves mountains so i'm hearing incredible stories come back from our guys and the experiences they've had thank you very much to the redlands churches of christ for uh, taking some of our guys away that's absolutely brilliant um bless you that's incredible but i won't tell you their stories that's theirs to tell not mine so um Talk to the guys, ask around for the ones who were away on the camp, ask for their God story. You're going to hear some amazing stuff come back. Other than that, um, on the home front, I guess one of the things is we're under increasing pressure at the Fringe Church because we're getting more and more people come into the Fringe Church and show interest. We've got new cells to plant, we've got other churches who are interested, uh, and we need the manpower, so we need help. We, we really do. We need uh, some administration help. We need some back office kind of help. We need some help with the online stuff. And of course, as always, we need more pastors. People who are willing to give us time to, to preach, to run cells, to run groups. So if you're interested in that or, or, or think God's calling you to this, please reach out to myself or to Mike. Um, let's have a conversation and go from there. Uh, we need help. Maybe you're the person for it. But at, at home in Redcliffe, um, we had an interesting night last night. We uh, got into some pretty interesting places. Um, so one of the things which we look at, we went to a bit of a darker place, a bit of a more um, place which could cause some grief for, for us. But uh, we have a firm belief that, you know, when, when that we're firmly rooted, that we've got good roots which are anchored into the church, which are anchored into Christ. And when you've got this really good foundation and these good roots, you can stretch your branches out um, and bring fruit into all kinds of places which are a bit darker or people are a bit more reluctant to go. So we don't mind giving it a crack and talking about this. So one of the things is we looked at uh, a lot of the protests and a lot of the things which have been going on lately and uh, kind of got into that and questioned it and spoke about it. So one of the things which I personally believe is is we've got all these things which keep coming up in the media and through politics, which are big issues, um, which for, I don't know, forever and a day doesn't seem to be getting any better. We look at it and I honestly think that these things which we're calling social issues are not. 
they're spiritual issues. We need to stop looking to the government, to media, to all these places to try and find solutions. Because they're never going to do it. They're never going to find spiritual solutions for spiritual problems. They're only looking at social issues. So when we get things like, um, you know, the hate we see, which is uh, forms into discrimination, into racism, is comes from a place of spiritual bankruptcy. It, it is... Hate is a spiritual problem. It is not uh, a social problem. It's not something we're going to solve easy or overnight, but these things we need to look at and we need to start addressing as a spiritual problem, as spiritual bankruptcy. So the other, the other week, there was a, a protest rally in the city from our First Nations people about uh, deaths in custody. Now, there's been 30 years since they put steps into place to reduce the amount of deaths in custody or stop the amount of deaths in custody. Uh, not all of it has been implemented, and the deaths continue in custody. And they're outraged, and they're angry, and rightly so. But... It's deeper than that. There's these spiritual issues which cross those race relation borders, which, which, which are issues which are behind this sort of thing. You know, for pretty much 2,000 years, uh, society has only found different ways to degrade a human being. There's been so many issues, and it comes from a place, I believe, of spiritual bankruptcy. And I think that the people who are um, offenders, who are perpetrators in this racism and this discrimination thing, I often think it comes from a deep place of hatred for themselves, which is projected out onto others, which causes these problems. I wrote this the other day, and I think it fits quite well. And it's about the Fringe Church, and it says, we build community, and we look outwardly to find ways to impact in society those that are overlooked and left to the endless ingenuity of desperation. Now, that is the fringe model, and that's what we do. It's not about us, and it's not about the church so much, but it's about society and community and ways that we can make positive impact in the world. A lot of the time we do things which are, are secular, which they're, they're not church-related, or they're, they're not... Um, God-related even. They're, they're built on Christian principles and Christian stuff, but they get out there and surprisingly the amount of times where people turn around and they start asking questions about God. And the resources and the outcomes we have which come from those things are just incredible. That's a side note. I'm getting off track. So when we were looking at the protests, the racism and all these things, I had that in the back of my mind and we're looking and thinking about what to preach on. I had something come forward. So, so there's this thing in Acts uh, where Stephen is, is about to be killed. He's about to be stoned to death. And he's pulled up on these charges and he gives sort of a history of, of the church. The history of where these guys have gotten to where they are. And in the middle of that there's this interesting part about Moses. And we are told details of Moses like his age and stuff when things happen which were not in the Old Testament it's the only place in the Bible where this is and um, I wanted to dive into it because 
this is his retort, and this is his defense to these guys who are persecuting him. These guys who are uh, in a similar situation, you know. The, the Jewish people, without a doubt, are probably the most persecuted people in history. And that's what he's confronting here. And he looks at this. And this is his defense for what he sees. Part of it, anyway. So I wanted to dive into it and have a look at what lessons we can learn out of this. So, let's get into it. So it's um, Acts 7, and we start off in 23. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. So this is interesting right off the bat. So he's 40 years old, and he's just discovered that... He has fellow Israelites. So he's just discovered that he they're his brothers, that they're his family, that he's one with them. So 39 years, he's grown up, and he's been the prince of Egypt. One of the princes, you know, had everything handed to him, um, had his bodyguards around him everywhere he went out, you know, lived a, a wonderful life. And then all of a sudden, he discovers that, no, he is one of those guys that have been oppressed, and that has been used as a slave, and you know, all this horrific stuff which has happened. So he's confronted with, I am actually one of them. Although he himself has been living a life of luxury, let's say, and, and as, as a prince of Egypt. And all of a sudden, he turns. So it's like, I actually am one of them. Or very quickly, in a year. So that's where we are. So Moses is 40, and he decides to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So one of his guys previously mistreating one of his newly found brothers, his newly found family. So he went in to defend, in defense of him, and he avenged him by killing the Egyptian. So remember, he would have had his bodyguards around him, most likely, and he's walking through. So it's not... Uh, and he beats this guy to death. All of a sudden, he has this com overwhelming compassion and this desire to save his people, who he didn't know were his people not that long ago. But everything changed very quickly. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. But they did not. How would you feel if someone who was the persecutor all of a sudden turns around and goes, I'm your savior, I'm the one who's going to help you out of this, and starts acting out and kills someone who's been oppressing you, who's, who's been victimizing you? It's pretty heavy. And the next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. And he tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? So again, this is like this unusual thing where Moses is like, I'm not the bad guy here. I'm one of you. I'm for you. I'm going to help you. Forget the last 39 years where I've been, you know, Prince of Egypt and all that. I'm one of you now. 
wonder why they don't accept it. But the man who has been mistreating the other pushes Moses aside and says, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. So Moses is confronted by the people he's trying to save, who he's all of a sudden realized he's part of. And they reject him, surprisingly. So he, he's killed this Egyptian. He's acted out in a pretty horrific way to try and bring justice. And in doing so, the people have rejected him, who he's trying to save. And he's stuck, I guess, between a rock and a hard place. And what does he do? He flees. He flees to Midian. He goes off to a strange land and makes home has a couple of kids, and it tells us there, this next bit, here we go. After 40 years, so 40 years he's been there. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian and wandering around. After 40 years had passed, an angel appears to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. He went over to look more closely. He heard the Lord's voice. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Forty years after. The Lord said to him, Take off your sandals. This place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. So the guy who was one of the princes of Egypt, who was one of the guys who was worshipped, is confronted with this burning bush after 40 years after trying to do something about it and he's told take off your sandals this is holy ground it's time for you to worship me 40 years later he's sent back to Egypt to make a difference you see it took 40 years for him to be indoctrinated for 39 years then he found out who he was he acted out he fled it took 39, 40 years for him to get out of Egypt, and it took 40 years for Egypt to get out of him, to get this indoctrination, these rubbish principles, this absolute bullshit to get taken out of him before he was any good to go back and make a difference in Egypt. Moses, 39, 39th birthday, around there, discovers he is actually one of the guys and belongs to the guys who are being oppressed, where he's grown up as the oppressor. Tries to make a difference. He then flees, spends 40 years in Midian and wandering. And it takes that amount of time before he's any good to anyone to get them out of Egypt. 40 years until God sends him back. 
there's that whole thing of nature versus nurture. Um, I think the Bible has something to say about both, honestly. But this is an interesting one. Nature versus nurture. You may have been born to be the deliverer. But nature and nurture, the way he's brought up, the indoctrination, the things which get planted in his head, needs to be taken care of first before he's any good to anyone. It takes 40 years to get the crazy into him, and it takes 40 years to get that crazy back out. So, and then he was sent back and used by God. God did not only need to get Moses out of Egypt, but he needed to get Egypt out of Moses. How often do we need a burning bush in our lives to tell us, Hey, it's not you, it's me. I need to sort out my stuff. 40 years in the wilderness. And then you're okay to get people out of Egypt. I guess the thing is here is that the amount of protest rallies, whatever you go to, however you want to react to change things, and I understand wanting to change things, I really do. But it needs to start with you. It needs to start with getting this indoctrination, to get this stuff out of you before you're any good to get other people out. And just like Moses, when he goes back and he gets people out of Egypt, they go into the desert for 40 years, into the wilderness again to get Egypt out of them. Before you want to make a difference in society, make a difference in yourself. And then, go back and get people out, and then they need to get that stuff out of them before they're any good to go back as well. What Simon is saying to these people who are about to kill him and put him on trial is exactly that. You guys have a spiritual bankruptcy. You need to look at yourselves before you start looking at others. We've all got something inside of us. We're all a work in progress. We've all got issues. But to make real difference in society, to make real lasting change in all these horrific things, first we need to look at our own spirit. First we need to look inwardly at ourselves. Once we have, then we can go back in and make real, lasting change. I want to change the world. I want to make it a better place. How I'm trying to do it is by working on me first and helping others. I'm not perfect. I'm still in that 40 years of getting Egypt out of me. And I'm also helping get Egypt out of others. 
I don't know where you are. But I know if you're part of the Fringe Church and you're watching this or you're involved in this, you want to see change in society. You want to see change in people's lives. You want to see things change. And the way to things get things to change is not through the media. Is not through politics. It's through, one, changing yourself. Secondly, changing the public opinion changing others and when enough people change you will you will get to that critical point where everything else has to change to suit it's a long slog and a hard process but i believe it's the only way we will get lasting change into these issues in society is to first change yourself what is it? Uh, that old quote, I think it was Gandhi, who said, Be the change you want to see. That's what we're looking at here. That's what Simon's doing. By bringing this up. By confronting us with this, with these ideas. He then goes on to rub their nose in it, basically, and they stone him to death. But, I think what he's saying is so true, and we can all learn something from it. We can be so focused on protest rallies or standing up for, for, for things, for injustice in the world. And don't get me wrong, that's important and we need to do it. But, where's the love and what is your heart truly like? Change starts with you. Well, thanks for that. I hope this challenges you. I hope this stop and makes you think. But maybe you can spend some time and ask God and dive into those situations and says, God, where, where is the Egypt in me? Where is the things in me which need to be broken off which need to be changed for me to be able to change others, for me to be in a place where I can do some good for you. If that's you and you need help, reach out to myself, to Mike, to one of the guys. You're not in it alone. Fringe is a giant family. And we do it together. I'm there. And so many others are. Bye for now. Talk again soon. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today.